Well, it's just hard. I'm not a mistake. You'll always have Paris. I don't know why you cry. I'm gonna make him an offer, Kevin. It must have been one hell of a night we're about to go get him, Tiger. All right, uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bring Us the Movies. My name is Mark Gray. I'm brought here. I'm joined here today by my good friend Eric Dixon. Hello, hi. And uh, we're joined today by our very special guest, Owen Murdoch. Would you like to introduce yourself, Owen? Hey, how are you guys doing? My name is Owen Murdoch. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. So tell us a bit about uh, what you do, uh, where you're from, and uh, what some of your favorite movies are. I am currently from. Charlotte of North Carolina. I go to the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. I am majoring in film. My three focuses in the film industry are screenwriting, producing, and sound mixing and recording. Some of my favorite films that I really liked watching were Top Gun Maverick, mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan, Goodfellas, and The Wolf of Wall Street. Very good. Very good picks. Good job. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So uh, today in our movie news, we have... Uh, two pieces of movie news. Uh, one is that one is which has been provided to us by Owen Murdoch. Uh, by, excuse me, Owen Murdoch. Uh, we have uh, two uh, parody, maybe slash serious horror movies about Winnie the Pooh and the Grinch coming up this year. And uh, I'm not too familiar with those, so uh, if Owen could enlighten us a little bit more. So there's not really much about The Grinch. All we know is that it's going to be a Christmas slasher based off of the book and based off of Jim Carrey's The Grinch and based off of Benedict Cumberbatch's Illumination The Grinch. And all we really know about The Grinch is, well, it's not called The Grinch. It's called The Mean One. And <laughs> currently, it's a, currently, it's about uh, The Grinch going to Sidney Lou's house, taking the presents and all the goodies and then killing Sidney Lou's parents. And then Sidney Lou decides to get her revenge by finding the Grinch and killing him out of revenge for the, for what the Grinch did. So pretty much it's has like the same concept for what who the Grinch is, but it's a slasher. So it's not really a kid's movie. It's more like kind of like a parody and slasher mixed together, which is pretty much what Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is going to be about. Wow. That's insane. That's like Kill Bill, but like a horror movie, but also it's starring the Grinch. This sounds like Excuse my French. It sounds like a shit post for two movies. <laughs> I'm actually pretty excited for both of them because I really like when filmmakers decide to take something that kids really grew up with, like Winnie the Pooh, for instance, and they turn it into something that's a little bit more darker and more scarier. They're taking advantage of who the uh, what kind of characters they are, and they're just adding in like slasher elements to it to make it something somewhat entertaining. So, if I had to say so myself. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is what I called a childhood crusher because kids grew up watching Winnie the Pooh all the time, like after school, in the morning, at like 7 a.m. or around that time. And and if the kids who are growing up watching Winnie the Pooh right now see that trailer, they're never going to want to watch Winnie the Pooh again because the, the filmmakers are giving the wrong idea to the kids. But the filmmakers will probably say, it's not supposed to be a kid movie. It's supposed to be an adult slasher movie yeah that sounds pretty insane i never would have put any of this together like like i'm i'm it's it's a bit like the 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 it reminds me a little bit of that nick cage um five nights at freddy's movie which uh willie's wonderland it came out last year because i just Wait, it's, there was a there was a five nights at freddy's type movie yeah it was called willie's wonderland it's like about these like 
animatronic, uh, I didn't see it, but it's about these animatronic bears that kind of come alive and kill people late at night, and it's starring Nick Cage in a, a silent role. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. I never watched I it, but I've watched heard that it. movie. I, I literally just did a presentation on, like, I had to convince the class that Nick Cage is a good actor. I should have watched that one. Yeah. Did, what what was the verdict in your presentation? You told me a bit about that earlier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I converted some of the class, but for the most part, people were like, eh, I still don't think he's all that great. Fair <laughs> enough. Which he's very he's very over the top. But I mean, Spider Noir is maybe the greatest performance by any actor ever. Yeah, I actually forgot to bring that up in my presentation. Dang it, you had one job, Eric. I told I, you I did Come on, what's wrong, Eric? It's, oh, good. Oh, it's like I'm usually always thinking about Spider Man. So <laughs> and now you didn't. Wow, I'm, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> Wow. But um, <clears throat> yeah, but in other movie news, um, Henry Cavill has returned as Superman after being after initially canceling his role. And for unknown reasons, it's been said that he's returning. Um, I can think of one good reason. Cha-ching. Also, you're forgetting he's also leaving The Witcher. What? That's that's an important. He's detail. leaving yeah. that. Oh, you got to be kidding me. He's better yeah, that's in a big that part than in Superman. Is my thing. Yeah, it's that's a that's a huge part of that that story. I thought that stories were like tied because yeah. that's I that's what I saw a lot of like uh, outrage about online is because I I'm not really into The Witcher. I tried to get into like the game, didn't really work for me. I never read the books, and I watched like a little bit of the show. So this doesn't really affect me much, but I I know a lot of people really liked Henry Cavill in that role. Yeah, and I, I just feel bad because I also heard they're bringing in Liam Hemsworth to replace him. Why? And like I'm. Liam yeah, Hemsworth? Are you like, kidding man. me? Chris Hemsworth's brother? Like it's not a it's not a good time for the for Witcher fans. Right no, now. it is not. It's not a good time at all. Like, like I haven't even I've only seen parts of the show, but like the parts with him in it are absolutely amazing. He is he is a blessing in that show, and the fact that they're getting rid of him to play like another like no offense, Henry, but the fact that the fact is that the direct the direction of the Superman movies of, of him it's not his fault, but I feel like it's phoned in because the direction is not there like he could play a good superman if he really wanted to but i don't feel as if the direction is right for him to like in the with those specific directors and those specific writers like he he often gives like he i think like in the witcher he like, he's a better superman in that performance to quote uh critic maggie mayfish that uh from youtube she, uh, she said that like in the witcher he actually does have a lot of that charisma and that 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 sort of boy scoutish enthusiasm that's missing from superman in the movies and stuff which is a shame because i do like henry cavill and some, a lot of his acting and stuff yeah, yeah i find henry to be for the character very good too. sorry i was saying he's a sucker for the character too as in as in Geralt, not superman i mean he could be in uh sucker for superman but i know he's really into the witcher like he's read the books played the game yeah. all that stuff so he has like a lot of passion for the the ip so i'm not entirely sure why he decided to step down it's got to be the money but, you know yeah it's probably the money yeah yeah like i just i it's it saddens me that like you can just buy away passion nowadays in hollywood unfortunately which yeah. is which is why in a good segue we will mention a movie which was made with passion today which was the black phone this was uh our guest owen murdoch's pick and uh tell us a bit about how you got to know about this movie owen so every now and then i think it's probably every day where i would get like three or four new trailers of movies that will be released three or two months in advance and the black phone was one of them 
And when I first saw and when I first saw the setting for the film in in the trailer, I knew like, oh, okay, so it's gonna be like a '70s or '80s movie. And once I saw the trailer for the first time, I became ex- and immediately hooked onto it because the con because the concept looked great, the the whole atmosphere looked for, uh, looked very good, and it looked really different from other supernatural films, if I have to say so myself. Yeah, and it was it is pretty pretty good like with its vibe and its tone uh eric mentioned on the first episode of our podcast that it was one of his favorite films from the summer and i i'm yeah. gonna, i didn't see it in time uh with you guys did but i i i have seen it this weekend it was it was actually really good it, it has a really interesting like like you said a 70s vibe to it the kind of at, at first glance like when you first watch it like before the the horror movie style credits roll I, I remember thinking to myself this could be like dazed and confused honestly because it's like it's so casual and laid back and it's like it's music and it's presentation and it's, and it's wardrobe that like it just it matches that tone like really well and i think it's like it's it's fun to see like a period piece like like that's just kind of this is kind of like laid back and stuff it's not like in your face about it which is exactly yeah and the director of the black phones scott dickerson i think is what his name derrickson. is what's our derrickson yeah scott derrickson he directed and co-wrote uh sinister which was which also starred the actor ethan hawk who was also in the black phone and he kind of took some of his directing techniques from sinister and he put it into the into the black phone for instance in sinister there was a scene where all these like dead kids are like looking at are looking at uh ethan hawk's character in the attic and they put their fingers up to their mouth they're like Shh, and then the villain in that movie shows up and the black phone the main actress with a girl her character was named was Gwen she was riding her bike in the rain and then she saw all the dead kids that Vinny has been ta- has been talking to over the black phone in the semi-basement and then she falls off and screams so it has like the same vibe from Sinister just more of a coming-of-age story in the black phone than in Sinister yeah and I think Ethan Hawke's horror chops are really good in these movies like he he's oh, my favorite dude. Actor, Ethan Hawke is one scary mother trucker yeah he's terrifying like like, he's, yeah. like, he can do anything at this point. Like, he can pull off existential roles, but, like, this particular show, like, how good he is at at doing, like, just, like, menace. Like, he's really menacing in these movies. Yeah, like, those those impressive. parts, specifically when he's just sitting in the chair. Yeah. Like, those are terrifying. Because he's just not doing anything. Because, like, he's, like, because his, the stillness of those scenes is just, like, it it's tantalizing. I've always said that, like, I've, I've, or not always. I've, I've noticed in recent, in recent months that, like, in a film, you can often convey just as much through stillness as you can through movement. And I feel like this movie takes advantage of that in a lot of ways because there's so much just quiet in the movie. There are so many moments of just like, like reflection and pause that give you time to just like observe and just soak in the horror. And that's what makes it more scary than a lot of like jump scare based horror movies. I find. Um, what'd you guys think yeah. of the uh the um the the fact that it's a low budget film that made a hundred million dollars i i'm for one really impressed by that i love that it shows man that as long as you have a good idea good story and the resources you, you don't you don't need you know a big blockbuster budget exactly i wish because this, this movie this movie is genuinely really really good one of the best of the summer I and one of the best popcorn movies of the year. One of the best horror movies of the year. Yeah, and it's like literally, like I, I feel like I, I think I might have said this the first episode, but it's like only a few locations, few characters. Like there really wasn't a lot, but 
it 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 all played a, a role and it was all impactful and it was also it was just it was a very well shot movie mm-hmm. it it really was the cinematography and the direction and the performances were like just on the spot fantastic that's what made the movie so good from beginning to end yeah and i really like that like it feels so vintage in its presentation like anybody could have made this movie and it's still might have been i don't mean that disrespectful to scott derrickson i mean that in the yeah, sense yeah. that like this feels like something that like he knew like all right you know what i just made hundreds of millions of dollars after making dr strange one because he also directed that and you know what i'm just gonna make something that like a student but a student low budget filmmaker could make and that's really impressive to me that like somebody with that like high standards of of filmmaking what decided to just to just humble himself to the to the level of of just like low budget indie horror movie and that's really what i respect and admire about this movie the most i think um what'd you guys uh what would you you guys rate this movie overall out of a 10 yeah out of a 10 i would give it an 8.5 8.5 eric what about you i'd give it i'd give it a nine nine yeah i'd give it maybe a seven or eight seven or eight yeah i think it's pretty good well a few few minor like inconsistencies but i mean i think it was pretty good i like the title sequence especially what were those inconsistencies um nothing big just like a few like maybe a few dialogue choices i thought could have been fixed a little bit maybe just a few act i mean a few of the acting choices beside aside from ethan hawk who's incredible as always like i said he's my favorite actor but uh just like you know like i feel like these are again these these seem like like i said it's like a low budget film so you can tell like these are like like these aren't like the great what this is also something i the inconsistencies with the acting i feel are also something i kind of admire about it because like i miss like movies that just didn't have celebrities like one film me and eric just saw this previous weekend for halloween was the original dawn of the dead directed by george romero the sequel to night of the living dead and one thing i realized in the past few days thinking about it is that one thing i like about both those night of the living dead and dawn of the dead is the fact that those are just ordinary people like those aren't big name actors this is just like a yeah like a, a, this was made on the budget of like a ham sandwich <laughs> yeah i can't say i recognize anyone in that movie so yeah. true yeah but it's it's great that people are getting the that those actors now have a platform to to like to grow as actors and like maybe have a future for it i really respect that and admire that from scott derrickson so great job guys to quote tim and eric <laughs> great job <laughs> all right so um Moving on, we have uh, today. We're just discussing what we've been watching lately. Uh, Owen, would you like to go first? Yeah. So, what have I been seeing lately? I haven't been I haven't been to the theater in a while yet because I'm trying to find something that I would want to watch in theaters and like. And mm-hmm. I actually found my choice actually a few days ago. They they are showing planes, trains, and automobiles on Sunday for their 35 anniversary and that is probably one of my favorite comedies of all time it is so funny the chemistry between uh the two actors and john hughes's uh writing it is just so fun to watch all the time even during thanksgiving because it's a thanksgiving movie and there's not many thanksgiving movies out there mm-hmm. and so plane trains and automobiles always comes to my mind when i want to watch something really funny in november since it's already november right now yeah and it has that like holiday vibe to it which is kind of like i always we we always say like holiday vibes like in die hard and like uh and what's lethal weapon they always seem to like improve the the tone of the film because now it's like it has an edge to it because it's like something 
goofy or violent or action-packed or whatever but now it's now that it's in a holiday i feel like that gives it like this sort of feeling of of uh complexity because the holiday often juxtaposes with that tone and i think uh that movie transplants and automobiles also does that pretty well yeah it does and it definitely has some uh rememberable scenes in there because because that's how good that's how good john hughes really is when it comes to making films he knows what kind of characters he wants he knows what he wants to show in each scenes and how he wants the actors to portray that scene and for example there's a scene in plane trains and automobiles where uh the lead character uh neil page he rents a car and when he gets to the spot it's not there and he tries to get the bus to go back to the rental place but he misses it and so he has to walk on the jetway to back to the rental office and he's so full of anger that He's waiting. He's waiting in line from the lady uh, at the car rental place. She's on the phone talking with her friend or whoever it is that she's talking to. She's having a good time, and then once she hangs up, she's like, "He just curses her out." Yeah, she's like, "How can I help you?" And then he's like, "Yeah, we won't. We won't. We. I'm just. We can't say the words on the podcast because there's a lot of f. Like it's the only. The best part about it is it's the the only time. Sorry for cutting you off, by the way. But it's the only time in the movie where f bombs are dropped in an R. Like it's an R rated movie, but that's the only time movie where f bombs are dropped. But he drops like. 15 or 16 in the space of like 30 seconds it's absolutely insane to watch like if you if you've have, never seen it you gotta see it yeah it i've never hilarious. seen it i actually want to watch it it's funny Sunday now yeah because uh i my, my work schedule permits it so yeah if i can make that showtime i will i definitely want to check it out yeah you should it's pretty good uh what about you eric what you've been watching lately um I'm trying to think of movies i've seen outside of like uh um, outside of, you know, when we saw Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. What I've been watching since then. Uh, I've been watching a lot of TV. Yeah. Um, I've been re-watching Gravity Falls. Oh, sick. You guys are into that. Oh, yeah, I remember that um, show. Mm-hmm. Good show. Yeah. My, my girlfriend also got me into this this newer Disney cartoon called Amphibia. Oh, I love that show. Really, oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I never had a chance yeah, to watch yeah. it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm actually interested in it now. She was like, "You would probably like this show," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, maybe." Yeah. And then I actually ended up really liking it. So yeah, I've been mean, just uh, been watching like a lot of cartoons and like just TV in general. Yeah. Not really a whole lot of movies going on. That's good. That's good. Uh, if you're into that show, one one show on Disney Plus I'd also recommend is uh, the Owl House. It's one of the best shows on TV right now. I think it's a really good. Like, wow. It's like Harry Potter, kind of. It's like this, like these this kid who like she, like she discovers that she's like she, there's a magical like school that she like discovers a portal to and stuff, and she lives in that world for a bit. I, I've I've seen uh, some episodes of it. It's it's really really engaging, really good animation, good voice acting, good story yeah. storylines. Really I'm like I'm, it's, it makes me think like maybe I should give these newer cartoons a chance because I always like when I see like something new is out, I never think to like tune in because I just feel like you know I'm kind of. I'm kind of past that yeah. which which sounds bad because you know cartoons obviously aren't just like for kids oscars but... we're looking at you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it just makes me think i'm like dang maybe i should give more of these shows a chance yeah i, I my go-to for new cartoons right now is steven universe because like that show is like it, it's it's silly but and it's childish but like also that's the appeal of it for a lot of these shows like they're they are for kids, but like they also have stuff that appeals to adults too, because like they have like they're such simple. Yeah, and they stories. also have a lot of heart. Yeah, 
a lot of good a lot of good people behind these shows like like uh like dana terrence and brad bird uh ken powers really good really good people good animators and stuff yeah ab- yeah absolutely i forgot to mention some of the tv shows that i've been watching i'm re-watching well not re-watching i watched different episodes of my favorite show growing up it was called regular show and they made eight seasons of that i was very uh devastated when they decided to end the show uh end the series at season eight but going back and re-watching some of those episodes is just so great because even though the show is meant to be for kids jg quintel the creator and the guy who who voiced mordecai he wanted to make it into an adult film because each episode has like adult aspects in it that a kid would not understand just like how they would do that with uh spongebob because in spongebob there are certain episodes where uh, a kid will laugh at something but an adult will laugh too because they understand it more than a kid does yeah yeah i'll say regular shows one of those like cartoons that i didn't really grow grow out of like like there are a lot of cartoons that kind of like came out when we were kids but then kept going as we grew up became teenagers and into adulthood the regular show is one of the shows that like i stuck with because it you know it grew up with you and i never felt like i i don't know i just felt in tune with it all the time so it was just like it really like i i actually love that show is one of my favorite cartoons and um and like like owen was just saying about jg himself wanted to make it like an adult show he finally did get his wish with close enough which is a pretty funny but unfortunately recently got canceled after i think three seasons or something like that i was so but sad still was if you're if yeah, you like too. regular show i would check out close enough because it actually is pretty dang funny yeah yeah it, yeah, it is funny it has like the same vibe as like regular show does but they actually add they add in like certain adult materials that they weren't allowed to add to in like regular show they add in uh drugs they add in alcohol and they mm-hmm. add and and regular show, pretty much most of that stuff was just like the like the sodas were pretty much meant to be like al- meant to be alcohol, and there were no drugs in it. But there were certain moments in regular show where you would see the characters having a good time. You could tell, oh, they're on drugs. Oh, they're probably drunk as mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, regular show came from like the original like an uh, what do they call it? The Anna. Hannah. I can't remember. Can't remember the term for it. But wasn't it originally like two like people on an acid trip or something? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's literally trip. where it came from. Yeah, yeah. so apparently, uh, almost all of the episodes on regular show would be from like if you're tripping on acid, that's what you would like hallucinate through like your eyes. Like you would see like certain like material that they put into the episodes when you're on acid. I've never done acid, nor would I ever want to. But <laughs> yeah. according to JG Quintel. He said most of the episodes that they created is how you would see something if you're on acid. Yeah, and that's kind of like what Close Enough is like. It, it's it's very much like, I feel like Close Enough and Regular Show are honestly like a cut above like most of your typical South Park family guy knockoffs because the humor and the timing and the editing and the just the precision to detail in these jokes in these show are just so yeah. top-notch. And you don't know. Yeah, how it's not just a bunch of it's not just a bunch of cutaway jokes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Looking at you, Family Guy. <laughs> exactly. Like it's not. It's different. Like they do. They actually experiment with the form, the format, and the presentation. And I was so disappointed when Eric told me that that close enough was was uh, was canceled. Like I was more disappointed when I found out you didn't mention Spider Noir in your in your uh, <laughs> in your uh, Nick Cage presentation. <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Something I've been watching recently. 
I've been watch. I finally got around to uh, to uh, Double Indemnity in class the other day. Oh, nice! Finally, blew me away because I'd seen clips of it. I knew the gist of it. I read the plots. I'd seen interviews with the director, and I'd never seen it. But when I finally saw it, it just it lived up to the hype in every way, and I was so glad that I finally did. Got it off my yeah, chest. Yeah, that's actually love. that may or may not be my pick for the next episode. I yeah, I, it I should be. I, it, it it's a good movie. It's like really well written noir. It's like it, and the thing about it that that step, I think elevates it above most noir is the fact that it's it has empathy for its characters. Even even the the supposedly evil ones, like like uh, the lady who um who uh like who kill like who kills the main character. Spoiler alert, sorry, <laughs> but like the lady who does like all the evil deeds. Like at the very end, she realize like the film has a moment where she's like you see like the tears in her eyes as she realizes that she does have love in her heart for somebody, and the the can even like the ending scene where the where the the the, the supposed evil doers of the movie are punished it has a moment of connection between the fr- like him and the friend that he's that he's made over the years who was trying to bust him and like there's a moment of forgiveness because to quote uh, Sage Hyden of just of the channel just writes that it's it's all about how uh, love and empathy and redemption are a reason to atone and do the right thing and I love that so much from Billy Wilder I've always seen that in his movies and from witness to the prosecution to uh some like it hot to parts of the apartment like everything about this guy is just he's one of my favorite writer directors him and jules dasson were two of the best uh uh were two of the best um production studio production directors of all time i agree yeah really good movie glad i saw it all right um we have three q a questions today uh one from max malizia friend of a show and one from voice Rucker, also friend of a show Sorry, I stole your uh, thing, Eric. Didn't mean to do that just now. You're good. Yeah. All right. First question from Max Malizia. Uh, what modern movies do you think will become cult classics? Owen, you can go first if you'd like. Hmm. Uh. Well. Uh. When do the when should the movies be, should have been released? Um. Let's say like from, like let's let's do like the early two thousands to like now ish. I feel like that's a good ballpark zone. Oh, classic. Oh, classic. Hmm. I'm not... Uh, what's the definition of a cult classic film again? Um, cult, cult classics... classics. Oh, you, you got it, Mark? Or, Sorry. Uh, no, cult classics are like movies that have formed a cult following around them. It's not like... Because a lot of people don't actually know that, so they'll like just call any classic movie a cult classic. Like, people... Like if you call The Godfather a cult classic, you're, you're wrong. wrong. It's just it's just a classic. A cult classic would be something along the lines of uh, Donnie Darko, or uh, I would even say Napoleon Dynamite, or um, Evil Dead, like stuff like that. That have like they're classic movies, but they're really only really like loved amongst uh, like small smaller group of people. Yeah, who are really loud about how much they love this particular thing. Yeah. Vocal niches is the best way to. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. There's a couple from from our generation. I think that are pretty good. Uh, like you said, Donnie Darko and Napoleon Dynamite. Um, I I'd say one I've recently watched that I finally got around to seeing was Jennifer's Body, which is pretty good. Like I haven't seen that. It's very campy, and like that's the point, and that's why it's amazing because it's like it's also because underneath the layers of like horror slasher elements, it's also like a a feminist like reexamination of slasher and vampire movies. is that a female directed film sorry 
Is that a female directed film? Yep, sure is, and female written as well. Really All good right. movie. I might, I might check it out. I have to watch a female directed uh, film for one of my classes. So yeah, it's it's I mean, a pretty good pick for that, that in that regard. For that, it's it's got a lot of like subtext about like, um, you know, like how like it's it's sort of like it's it's it is a I guess you could say like a female revenge thriller, but it's also a, but it's not just that. It's also about like a, it's also about a lesbian like relationship and uh it's also a coming out story it's also um it's also a a a, a really great appraisal of <laughs> 2000s punk rock you know like fallout boy and <laughs> panic of the disco who by the way if you haven't listened to fallout boy uh shame on you because i'm their biggest fan <laughs> oh snap i love that movie a lot it was really good and a lot of my friends and i love it and it's definitely it's 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 definitely become it, it became a cult classic actually after the Me Too movement uh, happened because at the time this was this was quoted from Megan Fox at the time she uh she didn't she, she was wor- initially kind of hesitant to join like the feminist movement at the time because she was worried that like her roles in the Transformers movies would kind of like you know like distance her from that because you know Michael Bay is pretty she he objectifies her in that in those movies yeah but in Jennifer's <clears throat> body it's recontextualized in the idea of like female empowerment and you know like queer like reappraisal and just strengthening of her of herself and it's really positive in that regard and it has really good messages to it i think exactly absolutely yeah so i just had some thoughts to it and i think a movie that i believe would become a cult classic is super eight super eight Oh, I like we. Oh we, yeah, we like I love the, Super Eight. Super Eight is it was released back in 2011, and I saw it in theaters with my older brother Riley. And <laughs> Riley thought it was about like eight kids that with superpowers, but it wasn't. It was really about <laughs> eight kids who were trying to make a movie with a Super Eight camera, and then they get involved with a train, and they get involved with a train crash, and they. I'm surprised they actually survived it because the train crash was just unbelievable crashing explosions and so many life-threatening situations and they discovered the train crash was i mean not was it happened for a reason because a character in there crashed into the train so it could help an alien creature from another planet escaped because the u.s army or military wanted to use the monster for their own advantages Mm -hmm. and so i think it'll become a cult a cult classic because of its tone, its atmosphere, its performances, and how it's lit, and how it's in the seventies or it has like a seventies or eighties feeling to it. And I know it's in those in those time periods, but I think Super Eight would definitely be like a cult classic in probably the next five years or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love I love that movie a lot. I, and I say this, I, I say it does. It did the Stranger Things thing before Stranger Things was a thing. Exactly, exactly. That's what I makes it like, so good. I, yeah, and I feel like if anyone people love Stranger Things, go back and watch Super Eight. You yeah. know, like Super Eight is amazing. Yeah, it's really, really like well made, especially the train crash like, scene with the. Yeah, and one of my favorite movies is The Goonies. Reminds me of that. Reminds the me Goonies of like, is just, just like, my favorite. My dad's favorite. My mom's favorite. Yeah, it's like and... it's like it's like The Goonies meets like ET. You know, and then give 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 it to J.J. Abrams, and this is what he. Yeah. This is what he it's, made. it's darker than those movies too, which is nice. Exactly. And also, I was saying this to uh, to Eric at a party the other day. Like, it's like one of two things that J.J. Abrams has done in his career that's actually a smart idea. The other was casting Simon Pegg in Mission Impossible, and that's it. He has done no other <laughs> smart decisions throughout the rest of his career. I know exactly. it's a hot take, but anyways, yeah. 
about you, Eric? What do you think is going to be a cult classic? Um, I think my pick probably be Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Oh, Nightcrawler. I what, love what year was that? Where was that from? I can't remember. Was it 2013? 14, I believe. 14. Yeah. 14? I did yeah, see I, it, actually. It was on yeah, Netflix for a while good. and then it got taken off, but it is I actually very have, well I have it on Blu ray if you want to borrow it. Okay. Yeah, I'll it. check it out sometime. It's, but it's... yeah, it's it's really good. and But it's like, not a lot of people talk about it. And I feel like a lot of people, they hear Nightcrawler, they think like, Oh, the the Marvel character, yeah. And it's like, no, no, it's a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, but it's so. I watched it when I was very. I watched it when it like came out. Oh. When it came out, I was like twelve. Oh dear. Um, and so like I, it was so weird to me because I was like, this movie's like strange. I don't know how much I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it, I, but I, but something about it, like I think because I watched it at such a young age, and it like it stuck with me for that reason because of how like messed up it was. And so I rewatched it like recently as an adult, and I'm like, yeah, this movie's pretty dang good. Like more people need to talk about this movie. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it has like that feeling of a, like a neo Nairo uh, t- uh, type of feeling to it, where it's just crimes are everywhere, and you know, you have like a certain atmosphere where feelings are yeah, low, it make- and then you're just like greedy for something. Yeah, it really it makes it makes Los Angeles almost seem nightmarish. No, exactly. That's it's, one. It's sort of it, like it's sort of like what like Martin Scorsese does with Taxi Driver. Like he makes New York like this really dark and gritty place. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I, feel like, uh, I can't remember who directed this movie, but he, d- he does that same thing with Los Angeles, where you, you don't think that when you think of L.A., but it's yeah. like it's so well done. That's what Great Noir does. It makes it make it shows you the darker side of a city and the darker side of yeah, of like modernity and stuff. Yeah, really I, yeah. I really wish Nightcrawler got more attention to it because and it was only nominated for best original screenplay at the oscars and it should have been nominated for picture directing cinematography and jake gyllenhaal's performance but it wasn't so oh yeah nightcrawler is just another another one of those films like hidden gems in the film industry like somebody will stumble across it they'll watch it and they were like that was probably one of the best movies i've seen like all year like we need like more films like nightcrawler yeah. like it's setting its performances and like what they're trying to prove like like you said eric it was proving that los angeles is not such a a fun a fun like drug-fueled party uh kind of a city it's more <laughs> like a crimes are everywhere people are like wanting like certain things and they will do anything to grasp uh to grasp uh that uh motivation and jake gyllenhaal kind of proved that he would he started stealing and then he got inspiration from guys who are like uh recording uh news footage for different news businesses and he says that's what i should be doing and so he steals a bike he buys a camera recorder and then he just hires an assistant and he's looking for all these different crimes around los angeles that have such like a gritty tone to it and he finds such a great crime scene in the movie where he has to go into a home where he has to go to a house that was that was invaded and he was recording everything that was inside of it and he thought it was a home invasion but it wasn't it was a drug robbery yeah it's it's it seems intense i really want to watch it now well please do i will maybe i'll maybe i'll make it a future episode who knows all right uh next question we have from voice rucker what's your favorite year for film releases um eric you can go first this time honestly i might say last year last year simply because um Last year, I went to the movies a lot, and I actually saw a lot of like newer releases, and I liked a good bit of them. Yeah, like last year had some of my favorites, like um, 
like I really liked the last duel. I loved Last Night in Soho. I really enjoyed like you know Spider Man. I like t- last year like had a lot of movies that I just really really enjoyed and a lot of I had a lot of good theater experiences. So yeah. I'll say last year for sure. Yeah, last year was pretty good in a lot of ways. Yeah, really. Yeah, it was really good. I really liked Last Night uh, Last Night in Soho. I really enjoyed. Uh, Dune was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Licorice Pizza was oh, yeah, also Dune. a good one. Nightmare Alley. Uh, Coda, which is probably my favorite film of 2022 because of its story and how it's so, like how it kind of it's, how it's different from other movies that were released in that time. But 2022 was a pretty good year. Yeah, I'd say my favorite year, my favorite film from last year was it was an underlooked one called The Green Knight from director Sam Lowry. It's it's a pretty weird tribute movie, but like yeah, it really is. But I remember, I think I my favorite my favorite j- film joke I made last year was was because of that movie it was when the oscar noms came out from last year before the whole the whole disaster that was did you mention this in your your cars 2 versus rango video sorry did you mention this in your cars 2 versus rango video no this was a different joke um this was uh the green knight came out when uh the this the green knight i was hoping was going to get a nomination for visual effects because it has a lot of great like practical effects puppetry and cgi mixed in together but it didn't, and I was shocked to discover that, with respect to the other movies, I hear it actually is kind of good, uh, uh, Free Guy had gotten a, a nomination instead, which I'd seen some of the visual effects. I never finished. I never finished Free Guy. Free, I, Free Guy was a I'm not hating on Free Guy. It's a Ryan Reynolds film uh-huh. that he would want to star in, and thank God he did, and okay. it has like the feeling of like other films that were released in around like this decade and were released in the 80s, because... One of the screenwriters, Zach Penn, who who wrote, co-wrote Ready Player One, he wrote this one uh, and he added in like certain elements from Ready Player One to give huh. it like that feeling. So I think Zach Penn kind of turned the story around a bit, but Ryan Reynolds was like the main focus of the movie. Yeah. I think the only reason I was just mad at it at the time is because I wanted Green Knight to get numb to the point where I made a meme that year where I was like, I, it was the, the clip from my favorite sitcom ever, Arrested Development, where... Uh, Jason uh, Jason Bateman looks into a, a bag that says dead dove and it's like exactly and he, and he opens it and he says I don't know what I expected and that was like that was me expecting Green Knight to get a nom over over uh over Free Guy <laughs> ha but no I I still yeah I still have yet to finish Free Guy not because I like don't like it or anything it yeah. just it surprisingly didn't really hug me though like which seems like right up my alley because I love video games and I like I love stuff like Ready Player One and Wreck-It Ralph so like the fact that that movie just didn't really like jive with me in that way, I guess I was just a little disappointed by it because yeah. my expectations were a little high. But it's interesting because you said that I'll, about, get, I'll get around to. It. Yeah, you said that about Ready Player One too. The movie, the as well, the movie. I mean, I know you like the yeah. book, but like I was just like I noticed that like, the, like I feel like the only reason I didn't like Ready Player One as much is because I read the book beforehand. Because gotcha. the book is usually always better. Yeah, know? yeah, the book was really there was a lot more like video games and like classic material in it that Ernest Klein wrote in it and when Steven Spielberg read the book and wanted to turn it into a movie he said we're gonna have to change the story up a lot because mm-hmm. if we did the whole book then it probably would have been at least like a 700 million dollar budget <laughs> wow. yeah as because as I was reading the book I was just like there's no way they're gonna do this stuff in the movie like I, I was already anticipating the movie just not living up to it I mean he's an expensive director he, he could probably pull off a 700 million dollar movie if he wanted to but I don't know. He 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 got it. He he's a smart with his money for the most part. So he really is. Yeah. He, he's more smart. Speaking of seven hundred million dollar movie, 
Hang on. I I know we're like past news now, but I just thought of this. You guys see the new Avatar trailer? I didn't. I did, it. yeah. I'm still not super interested in watching Avatar because I really like the first one a lot and I was surprised that it got nominated for the Oscars because James Cameron is just another one of those directors that likes to look at movies visually and like what you see and like each shot and like how the actors uh, act and those kind of visuals and I rewatched Avatar and I still like it but when I, when it comes to the second one I'm like I'm not sure about this one because I think they should just stick to the first one and James Cameron should have just came up with another idea that should have been like as as successful as Titanic. Okay. Do you think it's going to be more of like just like a, a visual marvel just like feast your eyes versus like having actual substance? It better be or else um, or else it's not getting its money's back. <laughs> exactly because the budget is like 250 million dollars yeah. I think. Yeah, cuz I I mean I have no doubt that this movie is going to look amazing and have like really good sound design and stuff but in terms of like the story like do you think it's even worth it i don't know i don't know we'll have to find out what the story is but to me it's not gonna be oscar worthy or the movie of the year everyone knows that the movie of the year is top gun maverick yeah i don't know oh, i think I love top guns. we'll see about that but let's just all hope that We'll watch Avatar and we'll give it a good ratings and then, you know, that would just be the end of it because, you know, there's probably like two or three more movies right after the second Avatar that James Cameron is looking to make, but, you know, yeah. it probably won't happen because... I really like hope, though, that like Avatar... He's years old and he doesn't have super long to live, so... Yeah. I'm just... I'm saying Damn. that in a good I... way, not <laughs> No, I just really hope that Avatar 2 doesn't... Because I know James Cameron really put, like, his blood, sweat, and tears into these next few sequels, however many there are. I hope that Avatar 2 doesn't come out and just, like, flop. It doesn't come out and it just... Nobody talks about it, because that would really... I would feel horrible for him. No, I would feel bad for him, too, because... Because the first Avatar is still like the highest grossing film of all time, two point like eight million. It was at the box office, and I'm like, that's pretty shocking. Because when Titanic came out, it was around like that budget. It was around like that budget because James Cameron is really good at like bringing forth uh, audiences like excitement to films. And Titanic was just one of those stories that happened back in the in the earlier or mid 1900s where two lovers fall, fall in love with each other and then the ship just crashes into an iceberg and they just sing and it just sings most of it so yeah well i'm glad that avatar is still the highest grossing film of all time because once again one of the main themes of our podcast original movies are better than rehashes exactly yeah but yeah. my favorite movie a year so far um well i really love 2017 and 2019 i mean this recency bias those were good years yeah but like my second favorite movie of all time, Baby Driver, came out in 2017. Very good film, Edgar Wright. Mm -hmm. And 2019 had just... 2019 was like a freaking... It was just like a machine gun firing of good movies. Lighthouse, Parasite, Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, what else? Uh, Waves, um, Toy Story 4. Uh, you had John Wick 3. That was 2019? Sorry? Post War 4 was 2019. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was 2019. Sorry. Uh, wow. It, we're connect. We're, for those who are asking or wondering why I keep asking what he's saying, it's only because like, we're hearing him through like a loud set of speakers, through like or a quiet set of speakers through yeah. a Zoom call. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm not physically physically there this, this time around. I've got the vid. It's all good. 
But yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd say 2019, personally. That's my pick. Uh, what yeah. about you? Yeah, 2019 uh, was a good year. I was just about to say that, but I was looking back at some of the, uh, some of the movies that I watched over the years, and I found out what my favorite what my favorite year of movie releases were. Mine was 2010, and that's when Inception, The King's Speech, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, The Fighter, 127 Hours, Drew Grit, The Kids Are Alright, Black Swan, and Winter's Bone came out. That was a very, very successful year in the film industry, especially yeah. for... I would say that's say three of those uh, three of those movies on that list are my top favorites of all times, and they are 127 Hours, Inception, and uh, I would say the social uh, the social network. But I'm not saying the other ones are not my least favorite. I still love those dearly, but 127 Hours, The Fighter, oh no, yeah, sorry, 127 Hours, Inception, and the Social Network are my favorites because the stories are just brilliant. Yeah, one of my favorite mo- years for movies was uh, 1968. That, that had some fantastic movies. It had, we mentioned earlier, Night of the Living Dead, 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, Bullet, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, had a couple of, uh, it had Yellow Submarine, which I, I think we're going to do for our next Versus episode on this podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah, it had some really good ones, and it was really innovative that year because like, it was like, the, it was the year after Bonnie and Clyde started the, the Hollywood New Wave era, and that was like the moment that kind of shifted Hollywood away from these like, like like this like studio system in a, in a sense and that was like really important for the industry because it allowed more freedom of expression in movies in exactly way. what was yellow submarine about just give me like a two cents like a uh, log line of what that movie was about i'll give you one yeah give us the elevator yeah, pitch one sentence, fine. uh it's an animated movie from the beatles it goes it's this in the town where i was born lived the man i'm not gonna do that now it's it's I like love a, it's the a, beatles i'm sorry you guys had to hear that that's all it is <laughs> All you need to know is an acid trip, and it's awesome. I get that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. All right. Moving on to our last question. Uh, wrap this up real quick. What's your... Uh, Boyce Rucker, I guess we're going to... He's asking the Friendly question show. that's been the theme of our show. What's your thoughts on recent superhero movies? Owen, go. My thoughts on recent superhero movies. Hmm. I would... S- I would say I wasn't really a huge fan of the superhero movies that have been coming out right after right after Avengers Endgame because it wasn't really living up to the uh, facilities of what Marvel and, D- and DC were supposed to be about. I was gonna say that I couldn't care less if Henry if Henry uh, if Henry played uh, Superman Superman again because I wouldn't say that his performance was bad in the 2013 Man of Steel. I just thought he showed it in a really good way that showed the tone of what Superman was supposed to be about, and that's what Man of Steel really did. But I'm not so I'm not so sure about the new Black Panther that's coming out. I, mean, I wouldn't say I hated the first one. The first one was really good, but after I watched it a couple more times, it wasn't. It just didn't really feel. It just didn't really like give me the promises that I was looking for in a Marvel film. So, and all these different Disney Plus Marvel TV shows and movies that were being that were being released on Disney Plus. I'm not. I haven't been really been watching them because after that female Hulk uh, TV show came out, and then they announced probably like I think maybe four or maybe a week ago that they were ending the show, and that's that kind of satisfied me because Hulk is supposed to be about a male character and not a female character. So I'm not really super big on like the superhero movies that are being released right now, right after Endgame. Hmm. I mean to combat that, She-Hulk. Uh, a lot of people point to She-Hulk when they talk about like the. The downfall of the MCU or downfall of superhero and all that stuff. She-Hulk isn't even a problem, really. I mean, I haven't watched the entirety of it, but it just seems like it's just more She-Hulk. She-Hulk has been around for 
decades yeah and they just took her character and what what she's like in the comics and put it on the small screen so i don't really see why that's an issue but i just think the quality in general of a lot of like marvel stuff and even dc is it's not where it needs to be even for someone like me who doesn't even take it as seriously as a lot of people do who are like super hardcore i just like to go to these things that all i look for is a good time if i have a good time then i'm satisfied and lately i feel like i haven't even really been having that so yeah. no 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 i agree i haven't been really satisfied either yeah. yeah so it's just like it's getting to a point especially especially i mean i can talk about dc a little bit but more so marvel since i consume more marvel is that i'm not even getting through the shows like i i start watching the shows like miss miss marvel I was so disappointed by because I love that character. I was introduced to her when I played the Avengers game. I, I wanted to see more of her character, but she didn't really have anything other than like the the comics. So I started reading her comics and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So when I found out she was getting a show, I was super excited. I was pumped and they just didn't really do her justice. It was boring and just it dragged. It didn't need to to do what it what it did which is which is so like it's sad to say because it's a mini series you know it's not like the they're making full-blown shows they're just like making these series as sometimes interludes or sometimes to like wrap up or even begin a, a new story but i don't feel like it's that efficient yeah because of how they go about it exactly. they just don't make them interesting enough yeah, like the thing is, Endgame, it's in the title, Endgame. That should be the end of the story. That's it. Like if if you have if, if any everything since then, with the exception of maybe No Way Home, like which to be fair is actually pretty great in my opinion. Like it is very good. Yeah, like that's like the only oh yeah because like it had a, it had something to say. It felt like it had something definitive to actually like. Add and even I have problems with No Way Home as much as I love that movie and Spider Man, but yeah, but still like, that's one of the better ones. Yeah, but ultimately... Multiverse of Madness isn't that bad. Also, I'll say that. Okay, it's not yeah. that bad. It's not that bad. It's just that, like, it, for me... It's not, it's not great. Yeah, but, like, for me, it's, like, the, a lot of these stuff, like, they just feel like filler. Like, like I remember, like, I remember at the end of Black Widow, uh, not the worst thing ever, but, like, I remember at the end of it, like, you heard the Avengers theme song. <laughs> that, that she I haven't away. seen that. It's, yeah. it's bad. But, like... Like it's not. I mean, it's not the worst thing ever, but it's you know, it's kind of bad to me. But like, I remember seeing at the end of it, like you hear the Avengers theme song, and she flies away in a jet, and I thought to myself, "But she's dead in the next one. Like yeah. that was the end of her story. Like, yeah. Like these stories are all wrapped up. So like that's a big part of why I haven't watched. It. I just have. I've had no real desire, and it's literally Black Widow is literally the only MCU movie I've never seen. It's the only one. I've I've seen. I've skipped a lot of them since Endgame. Like. Like the thing is, I'm I'm honestly on board with. I, I know he's, I know he's. It's a divisive article, but I I really am on board with with Scorsese's New York Times article about how like, the, and I'm not I'm not saying that like superheroes aren't the superhero movies themselves are inherently not cinema. What I'm saying is the oversaturation of them that is antithetical to what cinema should be trying to do. Absolutely. Because, yeah, you people are always complaining about zombies. Yeah, and but. <laughs> Who really cares about zombies? Look at all the superhero movies that we're getting. Yeah. Like Black Adam just came out and I heard that movie wasn't that great. I didn't see it. Which one? Black Adam. 
I thought about watching it because about it. I really it appreciate Dwayne Johnson's work it. in the film industry. Like he's like he because to a lot of like audiences and like producers out there, they just see him as like the rock who's this really tough, like action packed guy since he's been doing action movies for a while and then he's been fighting to make Black Adam for like almost like fourteen years right now wow. and I mean, I might watch it if it goes on like a subscription, but I'm not gonna watch it in theaters because it's you know it's giving mixed reviews from critics. Hmm. What, were you, what were you gonna this say? This might Eric? be a hot take, but like, has has Dwayne Johnson really been in any like truly great movies? I've been saying that for I a while. I can't think of any. He's in like good to like mediocre bad movies like yeah. he's I, I can't think of any movies he's been in that are like and don't get me wrong i like i like him as an actor and he's also he's been in a lot of stuff that i like yeah but i'm just saying in terms of movies that are like really great i can't think of any he, except for maybe moana yeah Moana's so moana good yeah moana was probably one of one of his most one of his iconic films uh, because he did a really good job singing that song you're welcome and voicing the character in such a funny way yeah He's, like, in some really great animated movies and really great action movies like Fast and Furious 5 and Moana. He's also in my least favorite movie of all time, Skyscraper, which I still hate to this day. Because <laughs> I want, I'm not a huge fan of it either. It's so I've bad. never seen it, probably. It's so bad. Oh, my gosh. I hate that movie. But, but, but if I had to say, I, but if I had to say so... Sorry. Eric? I said just watch Die Hard. You'll be good. I know. I know. <laughs> What are you saying, Owen? I would say that two of my favorite Dwayne Johnson movies are Rampage and Red Notice because his characters are really different from other characters that he's played. Because, you know, deep down in, in all the characters that he plays, he's still like this really action-packed person who knows hand-to-hand combat and, and is willing to fight a battle that he that he's going to win. And in Rampage, he plays this uh, primate, spe- primate specialist who was also a... Uh, a task in a task force unit he was in the army special forces and then he started to learn like who, uh, who people really are and what they're capable of which is why he liked animals a lot more than people and then his favorite animal friend turned into this giant like king kong sized gorilla and he started to take over chicago because of some uh, some like serum or like some serum that was created from like a really corrupt company and a red notice He's just one of these char- one of those characters who's willing to pick a fight, uh, get what he wants, and then just continue on with his life. And Red Notice was one of those characters I enjoyed, uh, John Hartley. Yeah, that's good. I I just want him to play just like a, a scrawny little nerd one day. I just like I don't know I don't know if like it would make sense, but I want him to just play like a different role from like what he's used to because that would be funny in my opinion. But <laughs> I digress. You know, a movie I forgot about huh? is uh, Central Intelligence. Which I actually really Central, I was just about to mention that. When you said nerd, I'm like, well, he's kind of a nerd yeah, he, in Central yeah, Intelligence plays, of, true. Yeah. of it because, you know, he has, like, the feeling of somebody who's just... He also, play, he also plays shy, a nerd in Jumanji. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. I, I think Central Intelligence is... I wouldn't say, like, it was fantastic. It was decent in a way because the chemistry between Dwayne and Kevin are really good. True. and. And, and like I said, in every movie that he's ever been in, he's just like this guy who's willing to pick a fight. And in Central Intelligence, he plays he plays the CIA agent who went to high school with this really famous with this really famous person. And then in reality, and then years go by, this famous person is not so famous anymore. He's dissatisfied with his with his life. And then he meets uh, Dwayne Johnson's character. And then over the course of the film, 
uh, Kevin Hart's character learns to uh, get what he wants, and then he finally has like a new life with a uh, renewed marriage. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll check out some some of his other stuff. I'll I'll see about that. Yeah. All right. Is that about uh, wraps it up? Uh, anybody have anything else to contribute to this meeting of the minds? I suppose. <laughs> yeah. No, All right. I think, well, I next think episode is uh, I believe it's my pick. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Will picks. it be Maximum Overdrive? Yes. We need to watch a bad movie for once in this in this show. We can watch Jack and Jill if that's possible. <laughs> yeah. I I think uh, Maximum Overdrive was my pick because it's set it's shot in Wilmington. And it's one of the only... F- I, I looked through the internet forever. It's one of, like, three films that was shot in Wilmington and is also set in Wilmington. Like, most other films, like even Black Phone, good movie, but I wish it was set in Wilmington because it was also shot in Wilmington. Exactly. I wish they did that more often, but that's just an, another issue for another time. Yeah. All right. We'd like to thank you all for watching. And wish you all true and false. A very pleasant good evening.